Hi there, everyone. It's Nico here, and welcome to another episode of Minimum Standard, the Kapuka podcast. This episode, we're going to be going over what a lot of people are interested in and perhaps what a lot of people get stressed about before going off to Kapuka, and that is discipline. Now, we're going to pair that with a little bit of drill, talking about drill, because it's a lot of, it's probably about a quarter to a third of what you'll be doing at Kapuka, and they're they go hand in hand, so that's what we'll be talking about today. We'll be talking about what sort of things they try and pick you up on, what sort of routines you get put under. We'll also be going on to how you can sort of not cheat the system, but little tips and advice and hacks that you can do to fly under the radar and make sure that you're doing things to the best of your ability and working well within your section and your platoon. We'll also be looking over the sorts of things they look out for and punishments um, that you might possibly be getting because uh, I know a lot of people are interested in that. And uh, I personally realized uh, this when, whenever I talked about Kapuka or that I was going off to Kapuka, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's going to be so full on, like it's so hard. And then other people were saying, oh, it's nothing compared to like when I went in the 80s and 90s, they're so soft now. And it's a point of contention for a lot of people, but we're going to be aiming to put your mind at rest, I suppose, and looking at um, things that you can do now to make sure that you're all over it when you arrive on day zero. Before we get started, just a few little points I want to um, go over. So point one is that I'm uh, the points expressed in this uh, opinions of the individual. I don't represent the ADF. I don't represent the Australian Army or Defence Force Recruiting. The other thing I'd like to say is that I did the reservist five-week course, which is now defunct. Um, I did do Kapuka and succeed at Kapuka. However, uh, it might be different depending on what you're doing. I know there's it's three weeks now for reservists and I didn't do the full time, so it might be different. So of course, do your own research about what your particular circumstance might be. So take what I say with a grain of salt, but a lot of what I say will have uh, general application to your circumstances once you get down there. The third thing is that I'm not looking for likes and subscribers. This is merely a learning resource. Um, I'm trying to help out the general public. This is probably for a civilian or an early entry into the ADF, looking to get just a bit more general knowledge about Kapuka and, and what's going on. Because for me, I wanted to know as much as possible. And I wanted just a, a nerdy podcast to go into the intricate detail of what was going to happen once I got boots on the ground. So by no means is this uh, a be all and end all. I'm not saying that I'm an expert, but let's just chill out, relax. And over the next half an hour, 45 minutes, just have a general conversation about discipline and drill once we get down there. Okay, let's start off with, I suppose, the biggest trouble that I got in uh, at Kapuka. It was during the field exercise, which is the culminating sort of event or one of that comes in about week four of the week five course. And um, what was happening was that we were putting up our hoochies. So you got to take it down and put up, put it up every night and try and be, I suppose, as stealthy as possible. They try and teach you to be as stealthy as possible. So that means taking down the position and putting it up every evening. Now on the second or third night, I was trying to put my hoochie up again. And after a few days, the rope that was uh, linked to sort of the hoochie, which is like just a big sheet basically, 
got all knotted and, and mixed up and it wasn't really working. I remember I was having it as taut as possible trying to wrap it around a tree. And because it was knots from about two days, all in this particular bit of rope, it just wasn't working. So what I thought was is that I'll get some more line from one of my colleagues and I'll just cut it loose and try again. This was a new fresh bit of rope. So I got my multi-tool out, which I give to you, and I got the knife out. And because it's a brand new multi-tool, for some reason, this knife was the sharpest knife you could possibly imagine. So I held the rope taut and I went to go cut the rope clean. But because it was so sharp, it went straight through like a knife through butter and it just went bling. And in that sort of moment, the knife slipped through my hands and just touched my knuckle of my thumb on my right hand. Now, because my right hand was sort of holding on to the rope and the tree, my thumb was sort of uh, bent. So there was a lot of tension on my skin, on the knuckle. And because of that, the knife, again, like a hot knife through butter, went straight through my skin. Once he cleaned it, the cut didn't even look that bad. But, you know, sometimes with your hands or your face, if you just get a little nick there, it just bleeds profusely for absolutely no reason. So I felt it, I dropped the multi-tool, I sort of went, ah, and grabbed my hand, and blood was dripping down my fingers, down my arm, onto the ground below. I went over to my pack, and I knew that I had some band-aids and some um, hand sanitizer and some water in the side of my pack, and I was covered in cam cream and dirt and stuff, so I didn't really want to get anything into it. So I was mainly concerned with cleaning off this cut and wrapping it up. As I was over near my pack, one of our corporals came over and grabbed my multi-tool and yelled out my name and said, Oi, why is your tool on the ground? And the punishment for that is that he threw it into the bush and he said, right, go get it. And I went initially went to go walk and go get it. And he said, no, 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 get down on your belly and leopard crawl. So with blood going down my arms, I had to leopard crawl through the bush, through the trees and the scrub and the weeds and uh, the little prickly weeds and things like that and get my multi-tool and come back. And uh, I was pretty mad. (laughs) I was was, uh, on tilt for sure. And uh, I was pretty frustrated. And I was about to say, you know, oh, but corporal, I've cut my head and all that sort of stuff. But they're pretty strict with the guidelines. And to be fair, we did get the guideline that anything that's classed as a weapon or any integral tool had to be within an arm's reach distance or on us at all times. So I went against that rule and that was my punishment is that we had to, I had to leopard crawl into the bush with blood pouring down my forearms, going to go get the, uh, the multi-tool. Clean it up and uh from there it was all good but uh our section had to do that because some of my colleagues in my section we just kept leaving our weapons and kept leaving our stuff away from picket uh picket is like guard duty you have to do it 24 7 when you're out in the field we learned the hard way how strict they are with that so we did a lot of leopard crawling um probably a good 50 60 70 meters at times with all of our gear and I had the Minimai as well, which is the heavier um, sort of machine gun, belt-fed gun and of the section. So trying to crawl with that thing, uh, it's definitely, 
Oh, I still remember it to this day. Definitely one of the hardest things that I've ever done, which goes into the importance of discipline and the importance of drill and the importance of getting these sorts of things um, in your mind before you go after Kapuka. So let's go on to our next section, and that is sort of understanding the whole f- like the whole un- field of discipline and, and things like that at Kapuka. So it's amazing how quickly you pick it up over the five weeks by the end of the third fourth fifth week it becomes second nature and a lot of the time you're running on autopilot because you know it like the back of your hand in fact when i got back to my unit there was a fire alarm or the water went out or something like that and the rsm of the unit jokingly went hallway to call everyone in to tell everyone to go home because it was a safety issue and i just the other corporals and officers that have obviously been in the army for a lot longer than I have sort of took it as a bit of a joke and were getting up and poking their heads out the doors going, what's going on here? But for me, who had literally been at Kapuka about three days previously, I got up and shot out and was running out to the hallway on autopilot because that's what you have to do every time they call out hallway, which is something you will get very much used to. But in the first few weeks, it is definitely an overload. Day zero is a major overload. I've heard stories, our corporals told us a story that previously before us, a few platoons before us, um, on day zero, one of their recruits actually passed out from the stress of it all. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I can't verify that, but I can understand because in day zero, you make a lot of mistakes. And that's the first piece of advice, tangible piece of advice that I'll, I'll give you is that you will make mistakes. And even if you think you're doing it perfectly, the corporals will pull you up and go, steady there. Uh, and it's just a part of learning. And it's definitely just a part of Kapuka. So when on day zero, you learn everything from how to walk, how to listen, how to sit, Uh, what you should be doing in your spare time, uh, how your gear should be laid out, it it all gets piled on you very quickly and it's a sink or swim moment. So there's lots of different states of being. There's listen in, which means, you know, you stop what you're doing and one of the people in your room peeks their head out the window and the corporal stands in the hallway and tells everyone what's about to happen next or key pieces of information. So you might get, you might be in your room, you might be chilling out and they might say, listen in uh they'll say your platoon number so listen in 42 and then you one of your people from your room will stick their head out and they say something like for the next period of instruction you will need your webbing your filled water bottle will be leaving in five minutes and something like that and then that's just telling you what's going to be happening next there's hallway, so that's they'll they'll yell out hallway, and that means everyone has to get up and and uh, stand at attention in the hallway. Brass strips, which uh, on the probably about a quarter from each end of the hallway, there's brass strips. So brass strips means basically like huddle in, and everyone goes within the two brass strips, and you're sort of all as a section, shoulder to shoulder, huddled in, and it's a good way to start or end the day. And there's a whole bunch of different things. This goes along with dress states as well. So you'll get to know what those are. So you'll have a lot of discipline as to what that means. So there's PT, there's 
um, PT Bondi for Alpha for Bravo, sometimes for Charlie, although that was only once or twice in the whole five weeks. And they're very specific as to what that means. So with PT, you have to you know double um, fold your socks in a certain way. I got pulled up for that several times. So you need discipline with routine in terms of how you dress as well. And there's discipline with how you move. So every time you pass someone of a higher rank, you have to say, excuse me, and you have to scream it at the top of your lungs. And it seems crazy in the first few days, but literally every time you pass a corporal, whether it's your corporals or a corporal for another platoon, you have to say, excuse me, corporal, as you go past. And marching, you have to march everywhere and uh, get used to, I actually missed walking. So, that's how extreme it is. The things you take for granted, like just being able to stand without having to stand bolt up straight or walking is something that you end up missing because you are, everything about existing has certain ways of being. So that's sort of how overall encompassing discipline is. But let's go on to our next section and that's the importance of all these sorts of things. And in the first few weeks, it does seem arbitrary, it seems useless, you get very frustrated. I remember there was a few times where I thought to myself, if this corporal has another go at me, I'm gonna lose it. That's how frustrated I was because you think you're doing the right thing, but they just keep pulling you up again and again and again and again. One of my roommates actually got pulled up, I think seven times for not having his small towel folded in the correct direction while he was going off to brush his teeth. And it does frustrate you, but eventually you start working as a group and you start working as a section as these routines get more and more, uh, you get used to it more and more until it's like second nature. So in fourth and fifth week, when it starts going towards things like the Kokoda Cup, which is a bit of a competition between the sections, or when you're out in field and you have to exist as groups together for several days, you start understanding the importance of the discipline and the things that they've taught you. And the real culminating thing that's like a light bulb moment is, sorry, I just got to check that this is still recording. Excellent, apologies team. Uh, the culminating thing that's sort of what gets, it's like a light bulb moment in your mind is when you go out and field and you realize that everything you've learned up until that point serves a purpose. None of it is arbitrary. So I'll give you an example. You do locker inspections. They don't usually hit you in week one with this, but as you go on, they are really intricate when it comes into getting your locker organized. So they will come with a ruler. They will make sure that you your sheets aren't folded or have any given them that you've tucked them in tight enough that they sit taut against the mattress, things of that nature. Uh, they'll check the funniest moment is making sure that your socks smile. So there's a particular way that you can fold your socks and you roll them up into a ball that the crease of the two socks joining together forms a little smile, a little ball. They'll check that. I remember my corporal saying, recruit, your socks aren't smiling. This sock is not happy to be here. Surely he's happy to be at Kafuka. What's wrong with him and all this sorts of stuff. It's very funny. But when you go out field, it all starts to pay off. When they say, all right, we're under attack. We need to be doing this. 
you can grab the equipment that you need in a second because you've been used to having the same equipment in the same place by the centimeter for weeks on end. Or if they say, hey, we need to do a fire and move sequence, there's enemy up on the hill, you sort of have a understanding that your colleagues in your section are gonna be moving in a certain way because you've been moving as a group, doing the exact same sorts of things for weeks on end. So it is frustrating, but it is important and you begin to understand it as the weeks go by that if you're a soldier out in the field or in the, in the battle zone, um, these things definitely do start to pay off. So pay attention to what they say and try and get those routines down pat as quickly as possible and just go with the flow. I can say from experience, there's no beating the system once you're in there and fighting it or getting frustrated with it serves literally no purpose. It is a lot easier on yourself and the section and the whole platoon if everyone is acknowledges their mistakes but also takes ownership of them as well and just you know if, if a corporal's in your face yelling at you you say apologies for that corporal i understand what i did wrong it won't happen again and you make sure that it doesn't happen again and you fully understand what it is that you're doing wrong so that goes to our next thing and that is um discipline uh, and punishment now the adf probably won't like me calling it punishment because this has been of review over the last few decades, particularly at Kapuka, but it's overstated, and I'll say that for sure. Um, you probably have heard some, you know, some legend or some veteran that's, that's been in Kapuka talking about these horror stories, and I've even had guys come back recently from Kapuka with these stories, and I can say a lot of it is for fun, I would say, they overstate, I'll say that in a nice way, it's sort of for fun, you know, you talk about the bad things that have happened and everyone tries to one-up each other. But in reality, there's there's not much punishment in that form, the Akapuka. And that has actually been a part of a review. So the review that's come into place recently is that any punishment that is given for not following routine or for doing something stupid is has to fit the crime so there's no arbitrary punishment where they'll say give me 500 push-ups or run jump in the ice cold water and then jump in the mud and run around that tree or anything that's crazy like that in fact there's several lessons at the beginning of kapuka where officers will say if any one of our staff does something like that to report it in certain ways so they're on top of it and nothing like that happened to me at least there are a few things that you felt pretty harsh, like that corporal throwing my multi-tool into the bush. But, you know, he, the punishment there was I'd left my tool on the ground. I might have needed that integrally uh, over the coming days and I wouldn't have had it or there was a risk of me leaving it behind. So to teach me a lesson, I had to go and get it in the most difficult way possible. And that punishment fit the crime. And I can say that I did not lose my multi-tool for the rest of the field experience. So for example, if, if you keep getting your uniform incorrect, you might do retraining where they ask you to get into different states of uniform again and again and again and again. That's something that I particularly remember. Um, so they'll say, get into four Bravo, get into four Alpha, go back into four Bravo, get back into four Alpha, and you'll do that for 20, 30, 40 minutes even. Um, 
if someone doesn't shave in the morning so they check they say all right all the men look up into the ceiling and they'll check your neck if it's clean shaven if there's someone that's not shaving to try and save time or anything like that they'll say everyone go shave everyone go shave again everyone go shave again and things like that um same thing with uh they'll give you certain privileges so we got our watches given back to us and we could take ourselves to the mess and back and if we were late we got our watches taken back off of us and we had to march as a group back off to the mess so i hope this is sort of making sense to you that there's no arbitrary silly punishments that you might have heard some guy talk about on reddit or something like that uh the punishments there's nothing out of out of crazy left field that i experienced just think of like a regular sort of pretty harsh strict teacher in school it's sort of that's that's the level and it all makes sense if you do something wrong it has to legally be tied to the, the punishment has to fit the crime and to teach you a lesson so that you can improve that's the whole purpose of discipline is that there's no i never experienced silly punishments for humiliation or anything like that it was all out of trying to get you better and trying to make you not make that mistake again. So let's go on to our next point and that is drill. So drill is very important. You'll learn heaps of different ways to march as a group and how to move as a body. So things like learning how to get into files, learning how to get into ranks, learning how to turn, learning how to stand at ease, learning how to come to attention, learning how to march. Um, it's not like the American field, the American films where everyone starts to s sing songs and things like that, but they do a little left, right, left, right, left, right, left, and things like that. And you're expected to march in time. A big one was making sure that your arms are breast pocket height as you march and they pull you up on this very much because it's probably the easiest thing that you can see. If everyone's in time and everyone is uh, got their arms swinging, you can very much see it uniform. So if someone's dragging their ass out the back and is not doing it correctly, they stick out like a sore thumb. And they usually say to go to the back and if it keeps happening, then that's where you know, you'll get uh, the punishment might be that you go out instead of spare time, you go out and do drill out in the parade square or, or things of that nature. So do drill properly. It does pay off in the end and it actually is very satisfying. Towards the third, fourth, fifth week, you know, you start off probably on day zero, they'll get you doing some drill in your civilian attire. I remember that's the first thing that we did and I didn't have any sunscreen on. So I got absolutely burnt and we were just marching around in my dress shoes and things like that. So that's a hot tip. Wear something semi comfortable on day zero because you're most likely to be doing drill on your first day. But we looked absolutely horrible when we would check halting and we were stopping and we were trying to turn and people were turning left when they asked us to turn right and all of these sorts of things. They do teach you a little bit of formal things as well. So they'll say um, 43 platoon will retire. And that means that everyone turns and faces a certain side of the parade square. When you're on the parade square, left and right refers to the left and right of the parade square, not turning left and right. So if someone says turn to the right and you're facing the back, you might be turning left. If 
that sort of makes sense. But then there's other times where they do mean turn left and turn right if you're marching around Kapuka itself. So it does, there will be things that you will get wrong uh, and that's just a natural part of it, but there's, it is satisfying as it goes. I would say the main things to keep in track of is trying to get in time with the person next to you and being able to quickly get in time if you get out of time. So a good way to do that is do a little skip. So you're marching and a good way to do it is to sort of do a little hop and then in the air, click your heels together and then start marching again. And that sort of break in the momentum usually gets you back in time. Look at their arms and try and swing your arms to the full extent because that actually helps you keep in time a lot. Always listen out to the words of command. Um, don't try and predict what they're gonna say. Just do try and simplify it. So a lot of the time we were messing up because we made it over complex but they'll say something like, um, they'll always let you know what they're gonna be doing next. So they'll say something like 41 platoon, halt. And you know that that pause is gonna be happening. That usually means you're gonna be halting. So you just gotta wait. And when they say halt, you halt. A lot of people try and halt on the next step and then that gets everyone bumping into each other and it looks like a shit show. So simplify it and just take it a step at a time and just, do what they say. I know that seems crazy, but it does actually make things a lot easier. And never take it upon yourself to do something that they don't say. So I remember there was a time where we were marching straight towards a tree and then our platoon decided that, oh, they're not gonna tell us, oh, and we stopped and started to turn. And they were like, I oh, know there's a tree there, platoon, I was gonna tell you to turn left. And they got really cranky at us that, so they know what they're doing, just take it simple. And uh, if they're marching you towards a puddle or something like that, march in the puddle and uh, just try and get it done. Another key piece of advice, just a little one, is that rest is different depending on whether you're at PT or not. So they get used to the PTI saying, where do your hands go at PT rest? And that means your hands go on your hips. They don't go crossed at your back. They go in like power stance with your hands on your hips and your fingers pointed towards your crotch and your thumbs sort of wrapped around your back a little bit. So remember when you're in PT that it's PT rest, it's not normal rest. Now let's talk a little bit about morning routine. This is a big one. Um, usually at the start of Kapuka, you get about 15 minutes to get ready in the morning. The Key things you have to do is, if you're a male, you have to shave. If you're a female, you have to do your hair. Um, and then you get, you have to do your beds, everyone's beds, and then you have to get dressed in the correct state. And then you have to have your room completely tidy and clean. And then at the end of the time period, they'll say hallway, and then you line up in the hallway and they'll usually inspect your chin and make sure it's not stubbly. And they'll, they'll check your room as well. This usually starts at about 15 minutes and they want to get you down to about seven, six, sometimes eight, that sort of range. I've heard rumors that people try and get down to five. Five's pretty crazy, but it's usually, I think our best that we did was about eight or nine minutes. But usually start about 15 minutes. And this is a mad dash in the mornings. Um, I never got to the sinks first, but some people absolutely sprint 
to go shave. I was always crazy tired in the mornings. Um, I usually made timings, but some people sprint to the trough, so that's something that a lot of people do. Um, I was in two rooms. They switched us midway for some reason, but um, there were two ways that we did it. The first room that we did was that half of us went to go shave and half of us started on beds. And by the time the guys came back to shave, usually the bed the bed team had done their beds and had started on your beds. And when you came back, you quickly switched over and finished your bed and then tidied up the room and checked over the other guys' beds that they'd already done by the time they came back to shave. The other room that I did was different. They, everyone did shaved first and then everyone did their beds all together as a group so we didn't split up the te- the, ti- the timings or the teams i would recommend the first i f- went with the flow for the second room because i moved into their room so i didn't want to tell them that this was slower but it definitely was slower for me i think the first one i just felt there was more time to get dressed and get ready and make sure that everyone's uniform was correct so i would say split up the teams if you can you might be in a room of three you might be in a room of four but we usually were one of the first rooms out every single time in fact i remember our corporal saying why don't you go tell ask this room what they're doing because they're the only ones getting out on time so that seems to be what worked for me for sure so get used to getting up really early in the mornings Let's go on to our next section now, and that is trying to incorporate some skills into your life now to better prepare you for Kapuka and what to understand, what to, some tangible things that you could be doing while you're still at home to make sure that you succeed in discipline and drill once you get home, once you get at Kapuka, sorry. Okay, the first thing for me is making sure that you can get up when your bell, when your alarm goes and that you are active as soon as that bell goes up this was a weakness for me i was one of those people where um, the alarm goes and you hit snooze and then that alarm goes and you hit snooze again and then you get up with a few minutes remaining and you drag your ass to the bathroom and you know you're really slow at kapuka they will from pitch black turn the lights on like a like you're being interrogated at about 5, 5.30 in the morning and they will be screaming first thing and you are expected to be jumping off your bed and running off with your sheets over your shoulders at the very beginning. And I can tell you some people were very haggard in the morning. I still remember one of my closest friends was always next to me across the hall and his fa- I always used to look out for his face in the mornings because his, his eyes would be completely shut and he was always going like, oh, <laughs> his face was crazy in the morning. So something that you can get doing is if you're not a person that likes to get up super early and have a clear morning routine, that is something that you can definitely get doing right here and right now to get better at that sort of thing because uh, Akapuka, you're definitely expected to be getting up straight away. The other thing goes along with that is early rising. Um, The earliest we ever got up was five in the morning, but it was usually around 5.30. I think sometimes we got, I think we got one or two sleep-ins to about six, 6.30. So it's around that period for sure. But it's, uh, if you can get up around 5.30, six every morning and that's not an issue, then you 
can bank some sleep while you're at Kapuka, which is very, very important because you will be sleep deprived, definitely. Um, the latest we ever went to bed was about three in the morning, but you usually go to bed around 9, 30, 10. Um, but just from how much work you're doing, it's very hard to sleep because you're so stressed. Um, and you're in a room with a whole bunch of other dudes as well. So um, sleeping is at a premium. So if you can get to bed at certain, uh, go to bed at specific times and get up at specific times and try and get good evening and morning routines, that will definitely help you succeed at Kapuka. I would recommend going to bed around 9.30, 10 p.m. and trying to get up around 5.30. The uh, next thing I would say that you can do to get better is making sure that you're getting used to cleaning things, so keeping your room tidy and making your beds. There's a, you might wanna Google how to do hospital corners because they do pick up on that a lot at Kapuka. So if you can get some experience trying to make your beds really quickly or even just some experience um, folding your sheets in hospital corners, that will save you a lot of time in the mornings. I luckily was able to do exercise certain start, which was run by my university regiment. So we spent two days at the barracks as a civilian and they sort of taught us some skills and one of them was hospital corners and making beds. So I was able to get some experience on those weird single beds on the wire mattresses and things like that. Um, and that actually put me in good stead. Um, I never got picked up for having messy corners. Um, so if you can get some experience making beds or at least learning the hospital corner technique, that's definitely something that uh, will put you in good stead as well. The other thing is some drills. So I know some university regiments get used to, they do some drill, but if you want to Google some drill stuff, I know a lot of people do absolutely zero drill before they went to Kapuka, me being included. And I personally took a lot to get used to it over and above other people that had done some drill at their university regiments. So if you can get some experience, maybe you've got a colleague that's been to Kapuka, or maybe you can rock up on Tuesday nights uh, if you're a reservist to get some experience doing some drill in terms of check halting, um, the proper way to turn. So things like keeping your hands tight by sides. They always say, don't bay blade, which means, you know, you've got your hands and your arms going crazy as you turn. Um, how to salute and who to salute is a big one as well. So that's something that I think would be great to know before you go after Kapuka. So if you're listening and you're trying to take notes, get that get that a little asterisk next to that because there will be times where you will be marching in pairs and you need to know what the ranks mean and who to salute and who not to because they definitely pick that up. Um, I remember there was mar I was marching to the laundry and there was a um, officer coming our way and I'm going, oh, what is that? What is that? Oh, do I salute? Do I not salute? Do I not salute? And last second I saluted and they went, good morning and saluted back and I was like yes finally got it done but then the group behind us didn't salute and then you hear the steady there recruits and you go oh no they're gonna get done <laughs> so make sure you know who to salute which officers to salute what their um rank slide looks like uh, and being able to easily identify those and how to salute while marching as well is a big one also um if you are the anthem um, regularly plays 
and there's certain times where you're expected to stop marching if you're moving around Kapuka and turn towards the big Australian flag. Um, if you're in a body, you just stop and your corporal that's driving you does it on your behalf. But if you're going with pairs, then you stop and do it. Um, the person on the right uh, does that. So that's something you might want to Google as well, but they'll teach you all those sorts of things. So to wrap up and some closing remarks on this one is let's start off with discipline. So discipline is good to get into your mind before you go after Kapuka, but it's all pretty much standard stuff. A lot of it they teach you is just how to behave in certain states. And initially this will be overwhelming. I don't think there's anything I can say that's gonna really make this any easier but you will understand in the first few days what to do in every single state of being. Sitting down, standing up, moving from place to place, eating, drinking, eating snacks, brushing your teeth. They all have their little rules and rituals and this definitely is overwhelming to begin with, but you do learn it and it all pays off in the end. When you get it wrong, there will perhaps be punishments but they're nothing to be scared of. There's something to embrace and make sure that you understand what you did wrong in hopes that you do not make that mistake again. But the punishments always fit the crime and they're nothing to be scared of. So they are frustrating. You will be frustrated. Um, you know, you'll be frustrated when you have to rip up your bed for the fifth time because you didn't do it correctly. Uh, but there's definitely some things that to your attitude should be to embrace that and to make sure that you're learning from that mistake in hopes that it never happens again. Some things that you could be doing at home, making sure you've got your nighttime and your morning routines down pat, making sure that you could look into how to iron a uniform correctly. I know there's some good YouTube videos on that. Making sure you know what the rank slides of each rank mean and who to salute and who not to salute is a good one that you can, you can do right now. Uh, cleaning your room and making sure that you know your essential items for the day are all clearly labeled and set out because that's going to be a big one for Kapuka is you've got your essential items for the day and there's a certain ritual that you do and, and lay out on your locker that you do every time so that's a good one to get uh, down pat as well and do some googling or keep rocking up to university regiments as much as possible to get some experience with the drill but again everyone will be useless at this to begin with but overall with all of these things that we've taught about today they all go up into a into a, a sum of their parts uh, at the end and in your fourth and fifth week when you're doing march out parade you'll be amazed at how much your brain has taken in and you will do it without any calls they'll you'll do it just by the music at the at the march out parade and you'll be on autopilot and working as a whole group together. And it's actually one of the most satisfying parts of Kapuka. So that wraps up today. Uh, this has been episode three, episode one. We talked about uh, going to Kapuka and what Kapuka is. We all talked about day zero as well. Episode two, we talked about fitness exercise and, and tests and things of that nature to do with fitness and fitness standards. Today, we talked about discipline and drill. And then tomorrow uh, tomorrow and next podcast, I'm not sure. We'll keep it up. Um, we might talk about uniform or, or um, appearances and, and things of that nature and maybe weapons. We'll talk about weapons in the next episode. So make sure you subscribe. Um, keep a touch of what we're doing. Uh, and 
feel free to, I suppose, feel free to send me an email uh, and if you've got any questions. But until then, I'll see you next time on Minimum Standard, the Kapuka podcast. Cheers, team. See you next time.